If you do not have a Bible, we have plenty of Bibles in back. Uh, you're going to need your Bibles. Uh, we can grab one back there. There should be every different variety back there. Please let us know. So I have a question, as I always do. Last week's message, we talked about breaking rules for those that were here. I wonder, did any of you break any rules this week? I know some of you kind of broke your bodies, maybe with some exercise, but did anyone break any rules this week? I'm not sure why. This is maybe just me, maybe because I'm an American. I don't know. But I, there's something in me. I don't know why. When I see a rule, very typically, I mean, even if someone is even trying to tell me to do something, I always, something in me wants to break that rule. Or I just want to just do that opposite of what someone's told me. And I don't know why, and I don't always do that, but there's, there's always that in there. You know, in today's culture, we got a lot of rules, right? Especially going on. One of them is to wear a mask. You know, you got to go, go into the store, you got to wear a mask. You're going to go into this place. You know, you got to get out of your car with your whole family. You got to put on a mask, walk into a restaurant, and take the mask off. Makes my head just melt. And I, inside of me, I'm like, you can't tell me what to do. And I just, inside of me, I want to I explain to them how silly this is. But I don't usually. I follow the rules because I want to go eat and uh, not cause any problems and be a good witness. But the other day, I was, you know, and a little bit of this came out to me. And I, I was over at Kevin's house. And uh, Kevin's whole street has been destruction for months now. And they recently poured all this new concrete. And we showed up right after they poured the concrete. And they have warning tape all around it, and they've parked a vehicle so you can't get in there. What goes through your mind when you see brand new, fresh laid concrete? Initials, handprints, footprints. I asked LJ, I looked right at him, and I'm like, do you think we should write our names in the concrete? Write some, <laughs> that's an even better idea. Write someone else's name and their phone number, maybe. LJ, he's a good guy, and he said, that's pro- Aaron, that's probably not a good idea. You'd get blamed for it. We'd get in trouble. So I don't know why my mind works this way. I don't know why. I think a lot of other people's minds work that way. You know, there's just a lot of rules in the world around us, isn't there? There's a lot of rules. Some good, some not so good. But, as I said, breaking the rules was the title of the message last week. I want to remind us, we are instructed by our Bibles, the Word of God, to submit to the laws of the land. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to look at a few verses before we get into the initial passage. Turn to Romans, Romans chapter 13, 13, 13.1. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So this passage is, it's very clear, isn't it? It's very clear. Yet, last week in John chapter 5, we read that Jesus had broken the rules by the religious authority, by the, the authorities. He had healed a man on the Sabbath. You know that we all studied it before, if you were in here last week. And then, he instructed this same man then to pick up and carry his mat which was also against the rules on the Sabbath. So Jesus then, we know in the story, he claimed he was doing the work of God. He had broken the rules so this man could be healed. So as we just looked at this Romans chapter 13, verse 1, 
I wonder, Jesus broke that rule. Do we have grace sometimes to break man-made rules? What do you think? Do, can we break sometimes these man-made rules to be obedient to God, to the word of God? Jesus broke their rules. He also then, after he broke their rules by healing the man on the Sabbath, again, he instructed this guy to also break the rules by taking up his mat and walking. These leaders, we know the story, they were very, very, very upset that Jesus had disregarded their authority. We know they were very upset. These leaders, they then began to harass Jesus for breaking their rules. Remember what Jesus said? My father is always working, and so am I. This is really about the Sabbath, right, on this particular rule-breaking. So Jesus just went from breaking this Sabbath rule about not working, performing the miracle, and then having the guy carry his mat. But now he stepped it up. Because now, in his response to them, he claimed to be God by saying, Father. Now, the penalty for that was much more. This is much more severe. The penalty for falsely proclaiming to be equal to God would have been death. So in today's passage, Jesus is going to explain to these religious leaders... And I believe all of us. And he's going to prove also that he is indeed the Son of God. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to turn back to John. We're going to be in John chapter 5. We're going to start with verses 19 through 23, which is where we left off last week. John chapter 5, verse 19. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will be truly astonished. For just as a father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge, so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. So Jesus is announcing he is God, isn't he? And he's going to give three very, very big statements. Very big statements. He's proclaiming first that him, Jesus' will, is the same as God's will. So he's saying if everything he does, Jesus does, is in accordance to the will of God, the Father, then if these religious leaders would then question Jesus' action, they're actually questioning the very will of God. Then if you look, keep reading, we're going to look at a lot of verses here today. If you look at the end of verse 20, Jesus said continues and he foretells or he prophesies of even greater works. Jesus says he will give life, but both physically and spiritually. If you continue just to look down the verses in verses 21 and 22, then Jesus claims, he claims authority. He claims the authority to judge a person's fate or their destiny of anyone. These are big claims that Jesus is making. Because of this, 
and who Jesus is saying he is, we see then in verse 23 that the same honor given to God is also to be given to Jesus. So Jesus, as he starts here, he is very, very bold in proclaiming the truth that he is the Son of God. And if them, the religious leaders, and anyone today, if you honor God, if you believe in God, you will give Jesus the same honor. Or, the flip side, if you dishonor Jesus, the one who gives life, he has authority over your eternal fate. Think of that. Let's continue. Let's look at Jesus' second statement here in verse 24. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they already passed from death into life. Jesus, he states the second truth of who he is. Salvation through faith in him. They have already passed from death into life. As I read this, I just found it amazing that through faith, through faith in Jesus Christ, this isn't something, once you have placed your faith in Jesus, if you look at the verse, it says, they'll never be condemned for their sins. So this isn't something that happens later. I find it amazing. They've already passed from death into life. This is the good news. Once you've come to faith in Jesus, you've already passed from death into life. You know, I think so many people, even Christians, they keep hoping maybe they can do enough works, or they can do the right thing, or if they go to church, they'd be saved. That's not what it says. It's not what happens here. Never to be condemned for their sins once you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. It's amazing. Jesus said, never be condemned. It happens on conversion. Once you are a born-again Christian, you will never be condemned. It's not works. Now, before we continue in the next passages, I want to look at a few words that I saw. I think this verse is so important. The first word I look, I don't know, different people have different translations. I see the word hear or listen. I don't know which word your Bible says. And I think that as we see that, we got to remember that as we do hear or we do listen, we also need to follow that by obedience, what God's word says. And then the second word I want to look at is message. So what is this message that we would hear or listen or be obedient to? The message is the gospel. It's the word of God. The third word I really want everyone to understand, we just talked about a little bit, is condemned. What does condemned mean? Never to come into the judgment of our sin. When he says you will not be condemned, it's you will never come into judgment of your sin. It's amazing to me as I think about that. As I think so often us as born-again Christians, we're so hard on ourselves. And sometimes we forget that we are redeemed. And this is already taking place once we're born again. Let's continue. Jesus has a lot more to say. But I want, before we go, I want to read verse 24 again. Because I think when you think of these definitions, it means so much more. So Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God... Who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they already passed from death into life. It's just a beautiful verse that I believe so many often we need to really walk in and really just know who we are through our faith in Jesus. 
that we are forever freed from that sin and from death. Let's continue. Look at the third attribute that Jesus is going to give in verses 25 through 30. And I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God. And those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. And he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the Son of Man. Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. This third statement that we see Jesus make here is he has the authority to judge or determine who will receive eternal life and who will experience judgment. If you start to break it down and look at it, if you look at verses 25 through 27, we see that Jesus explains that he has the ultimate authority by God. And those who are spiritually dead will hear his voice. Then those who respond and come to faith then will be saved. That's under the authority of Jesus. Jesus also, he's very clear in these passages in defining who he is. That he has the authority to judge those who have heard but refuse to believe the testimony of who he is. If you continue down this, Jesus gives even further details. If you look at 28 through 29, he prophesies, doesn't he? I see a prophecy. He says, there's a time coming when those who have already died will hear Jesus' call and also receive their reward or judgment. What do you think Jesus is referring to right here? What do you think? It's a rhetorical, as I'm asking, I'm preaching, but I want you to think in your mind, what's Jesus referring to here? Turn back to our Bibles here. Matthew chapter 27. This is what I think, anyways. Verse 51. Matthew 27, 51. This is after the crucifixion. And that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. Quite a story, isn't it? Turn back to John. I think that's what he's speaking of here. So back in John chapter 5 and verse 30, Jesus makes it extremely clear that all of these things that he's speaking of that are going to take place are God's will and that God's will then would be carried out through him, Jesus. It's important. Jesus is very, he's proclaiming who he is. And then as, he, as he's proclaiming this, as you see, I think he actually builds upon each quality of who he is. First, we learned, right, that he has the authority to heal. Even on the Sabbath. That's, that's an important point, isn't it? Jesus has the authority to heal even on the Sabbath. We saw that back in verse 20. Second thing is we saw that Jesus has the authority to judge, even on the Sabbath. 
You can see that in verse 27, if you want to look back. The third, we just went over that. Jesus has the authority to raise the dead to life again, even on the Sabbath. That's in verse 28, 21, and then we'll see in 28. So as we start to review this, this takes us back to last week a little bit. We need to look back at John chapter 5, verses 16 through 17, because this is how this all kind of started. Jesus was explaining to these religious leaders that he is God as they were trying to go after him. So look at, we're going to read it. John chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I. This is what all this is about. This is, so again, we know, we see Jesus is very clear. He's claiming he is equal with God. Jesus is God. And he is not bound by these man-made laws or these rules. Jesus is proclaimed now. We've seen he has proclaimed who he is. But now what's interesting, he's actually going to give some proof or some witnesses to what he has testified about himself. So let's continue and look at starting in verse 31. If I were to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. So Jesus had just made these very bold statements, three very bold statements. And all these statements were foretold of in the Old Testament. In fact, I want to take a minute and I want to look back to the Old Testament and look through some of these passages that these religious leaders, these ones that were accusing Jesus, they should have seen Jesus through these passages. They should have recognized, as he said, each one of these things, this is Jesus. This is the scriptures being foretold right in front of us. But they missed it, didn't they? I want to look at a few of these passages. It's a lot of scripture today. I think it's important. Turn back to, let's turn to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 35 Verses 5 and 6. And when he comes, he will open the eye of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth from the, in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. Jesus is the healer of the sick, and it was prophesied here. Now turn to Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like the Son of Man coming from the clouds of heaven. He approached with the Ancient One and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world. So the people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. This is Jesus. Jesus has all authority and it was given to him by God. Turn, let's turn to First uh, Samuel two six. The Lord gives both death and life. He brings some down to the grave, but raises others up. Turn just a few over to Second Kings five seven. When I like this verse, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay. He said, "Am I God that I can give life and take it away?" Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? It continues. So it's Jesus, again, foretold of in the Old Testament, that raises the dead to life. Jesus is the fulfillment of all these scriptures. I just, we went over four scriptures, right? Some scholars, though, would say, there's arguments, 
there's up to 570 more passages that point to Jesus being the Messiah. They say actually 574, but I went, we looked at four of them. They can argue the numbers, but it's somewhere in there. 570 more passages that these religious leaders should have saw Jesus in, but they missed it. These men, they were blinded by their sin, and they did not see Jesus for who he was. So Jesus now is going to give four witnesses to prove to them and to reassure us of who he is and who he said he is. But he excludes, we see in this verse, he excludes his own testimony, doesn't he? As it was required. So let's begin. Back in John chapter 5, let's read about these witnesses in verse 32 through 35. But someone else is also testifying about me. And I assure you that everything he says about me is true. In fact, you sent investigators to listen to John the Baptist. And his testimony about me was true. Of course, I have no need of human witnesses. But I say these things so that you might be saved. John was like a burning and shining lamp. And you were excited for a while about his message. So the first witness that Jesus is bringing forth to speak about to these religious leaders is John the Baptist. Jesus began to defend these claims that he is God. He is equal with God with a person. The very person that these religious leaders were very familiar with at this time. These leaders knew who John the Baptist is. They knew what he was proclaiming. And they had even sent people to examine John's testimony already before. So John had publicly testified that Jesus was the Messiah. Turn, let's look at it. Just turn back in John, John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the one I was talking about. Turn back to John chapter 5. Jesus in verse 34 then explains that He actually does not need man's testimony. He doesn't need John's testimony or any other person's testimony because without our testimony, Jesus is still God. Amen? Yet in his grace and his mercy, it really is. It's his grace and mercy. Jesus uses even us today as he used John the Baptist to be able to share the good news just as John did. That's that's the grace and mercy from God to allow us that privilege to be a part of that testimony. Now, it's interesting, in in 35, we read the first response to hearing about Jesus. John had revealed to the people, the religious leaders, that Jesus is the Messiah. Yet, we see in this verse, their excitement faded very quickly, it says, doesn't it? I think it faded because Jesus, the person he was proclaiming to be the Messiah, did not fit to their expectations of who they thought Jesus should be or not be. So let's read about the next witness in verse 36. But I have a greater witness than John, my teachings and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they prove that he sent me. The second witness is the works or the signs or the miracles that Jesus had been doing. Jesus was with them right there in person and had been opening up also or revealing very deep truth through his teaching of Scripture. We also have seen that, haven't we? 
showing them through the teaching of Scripture. Remember, he opened up Isaiah. He said, it's fulfilled. He has shown them through his teaching through the Word of God that he is the fulfillment of these prophecies. But then Jesus, in full view of everyone, and many, many witnesses, performed many healings that we've read about. Many miracles. He had cast out many demons. These works alone gave proof that Jesus is indeed the Son of God, the one he professed to be. So far, we've seen a testimony of a man, John the Baptist. Then, we've seen the testimony of Jesus' miraculous works, his teachings also. Again, just these two alone prove who Jesus Christ is. But there's more. Jesus, let's read it, 37 through 38. And the Father who has sent me has testified about me himself. You have never heard his voice or seen him face to face. 38. And you do not have his message in your hearts because you do not believe me, the one he sent to you. A third witness. The Father. God. I read this and I also think of the Holy Spirit. Maybe I'm reading a little much into it. I don't think so. Jesus is building up a rebuke, a rebuttal to these, this unbelief, this lack of faith. And here in this particular verse, I believe he's referencing, starting to reference back now to the Jewish faith, to the Jewish teachings. And I think in this particular instance, he's going to take them, he's starting this process, right? He's going to take them out back to Deuteronomy. He's taking them back to Moses. It's a process he's working on here. So I want to take, go back, because these religious leaders, these Jewish people would have known this. So turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 4. I was in a lot of passages this week. Verses 11 and 12. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountains, while flames from the mountains shot into the sky. The mountain was shrouded in black clouds and deep darkness, and the Lord spoke to you from the heart of the fire. You heard the sound of his words, but didn't see his form. There was only a voice. He proclaimed his covenant, the Ten Commandments which he then commanded you to keep and wrote on two stone tablets. It goes on. So God, through Moses now, was instructing the people to give them the Ten Commandments and be faithful to his commandments, to the word. You know, it brings up a point that I think is so important here that I believe is being taught here. That if we today are faithful to the word, we also well, believe that Jesus Christ is God, the one that has been sent by God. God the Father, you know, he still speaks to us today. Testifies to each one of us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And he testifies today that Jesus is Lord. God is still testifying that Jesus is Lord through the Holy Spirit. I believe this. Let's look at the fourth witness in verses 39 all the way through 47. Ready for this? 39. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Your approval means nothing to me. Because I know you don't have God's love within you. For I have come to you in my Father's name and you have rejected me. Yet if others come in their own name, you gladly welcome them. No wonder you can't believe, for you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone is God. Yet it isn't I 
who will accuse you before the Father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses, in whom you put your hopes. If you really believed Moses, you would believe me, because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? The fourth witness, the word of God. If you start to go back and break apart these scriptures, in verse 39 through 40, Jesus reminds these leaders that they had studied the word very thoroughly. And they believed, though, through the word they would be saved. But they didn't see Jesus is the word. Pull that out of there. And through him in faith, we are saved. This is tragic when you read this and you think about this. These very ones who have been studying the word, studying the scriptures, it was being fulfilled right before their very eyes, and they were blind to see it. They even refused, they just refused to accept Jesus as a fulfillment of scripture. Likely due to their own sin and pride and self-righteousness. Jesus continues, if you look at 41 through 44, that in God's name, he, Jesus, has been given all authority. Man's opinion is not relevant. Jesus, he just put, I mean, he put it down to these guys. He is telling these leaders and us today who they believe Jesus is. It doesn't matter because If it is done in God's name, which this has been done in God's name, if it's been done in God's authority, and this has been done in God's authority, it's absolute truth. Jesus is God. Your opinion has zero bearing on this truth. No one's opinion. Jesus is the Son of God. Your approval means nothing, whether you believe it or not. It's a fact. Jesus is God. That's what he's saying. Jesus then closes the conversation in 45 through 47. He tells them that if you truly believe in Moses' writing, the word of God, our Bibles that we have today, then you will believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus is strongly rebuking these leaders. Because if they had truly placed their faith in the word of God, as they said, the writings of Moses, they would see Jesus. They would believe, I'm not going to go through these passages. You can write them down later. We're going to pull them up here. They would believe Genesis 3.15. They would have believed Numbers 21.9. They would have believed Numbers 24.17. They would have believed Deuteronomy 18.15. This is all where Moses wrote of the coming of Jesus Christ. They knew this. These men were more concerned with seeking man's approval and following their own rules than seeking to truly honor God and His Word. If you truly believe the Word, you will honor God with your life. You will seek God's approval, not man's, and you will set everything of the world aside. Remember, even in these passages, we see it. We each well stand before God the Father one day. And we must remember Jesus' words when He's talking to man. Your approval means nothing to me. But God's approval means everything. Jesus' approval. Pretty amazing passages. Jesus has just taught that he is equal with God, that his will and God's will are aligned, they are one, and that due to this, Jesus is due the same honor as God is due. Second thing he taught, that salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ alone. 
Through Jesus Christ, we are saved. Then number three thing he said, that Jesus Christ alone has the authority to judge. Jesus then gave a testimony, a testimony by witnesses that all these things that he has stated are true. First, we saw John the Baptist. John the Baptist proclaimed Jesus Christ was the Messiah. It cost him his life, didn't it? The second we saw is the works that Jesus had performed, the works that he had done, the healings, the miracles, the casting out of demons, and his teachings. Third, we saw that God himself testified that Jesus is God. Speaking to Moses, to the Holy Spirit today, telling us that Jesus is God. Fourth, we have the Word of God, our Bibles. Through our Bibles, through the Holy Spirit speaking to us through our Bibles, we have been given absolute proof that Jesus is who He says He is. One thing that's awesome, though, in all of this, as you see this huge outline kind of unfold, is our faith isn't blind, is it? It's not blind. Jesus reveals himself to us in all these different ways and gives us proof, gives us witnesses, and blesses us this way that we can know that he is our Savior. Are there, are there any other things you think that could be a witness that Jesus saves? We looked at four. Is there any other proofs out there in the world that these three things that Jesus said could be given a witness for? I mean, how today, how are the lost around here today, in our church today, how will they know that Jesus loves them? What about each of you? What about your witness? What about your testimony? Turn to Revelation 12.10. 12.11, I'm sorry. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. This is the second part of the verse for you. At, uh, we had men's breakfast yesterday. Many of you kind of shared about it. Tony shared. It was awesome. I heard a testimony. I heard a man testify that Jesus is God, that we can each be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. We are to share with all of those around us who Jesus is, that he is God, that salvation is through him alone, and he has the authority to judge, and to share then what he's done for you, how he's saved each one of you, how he's given you grace and mercy beyond even anything we can understand. I want to close just simply with a passage. And we'll close with this. I want to read 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 through 23. But you are not like that. For the Holy One has given you His Spirit. And all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone that says Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is Antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time, Lord, as we look at these passages of Scripture, Lord, as you proclaim to the world who you are. Then... As you proclaim that, you give us four witnesses. 
not even including your own testimony. So, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for loving each one of us, Lord, to giving us that grace and that mercy, Lord, and to know that it is faith through you alone and that you are God, and it is through your authority, Lord, that we can be saved, Lord, that we can be brought from death to life. Lord, I pray each one of us here, Lord, as there's so many lost souls around us, Lord, even in these doors, Lord, that we would testify, that we would give witness to the power of your Holy Spirit to share the love that you have given each one of us with the others. So, Lord, I praise you and I thank you, Lord. Please watch over us tonight, Lord, as we continue to worship. Lord, I just pray this message would just speak to people. And I just thank you for the opportunity to worship you through the study of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.